beginnings. I want to thank Dr. Wilson for giving me this opportunity because it is an opportunity. Amen. I want to thank my beautiful wife of 16 years. Amen. And I want to thank all of you as well for all your prayers and your support through the years. Amen. Amen. I'm a big boxing fan, New Beginnings. Did anybody see that fight last night? Yeah, I love boxing and it was a pretty decent fight, but I'm used to action, all action in fights. I like to see the knockout. Anybody here like to see knockout? Yeah, it seemed like these dudes now, they just fighting for the money. Back then in the day, they used to fight for a purpose to see who was the best. And you know, it's a fight that comes to mind, uh, Marvin Hagler and Tommy Hearns. Back in 1985, Marvin Hagler was the middleweight champion of the world. And he was fighting against Thomas the Hitman Hearns. Y'all remember that? It was called the war. Both fighters were known for their brute strength. In other words, there was no need for no judges, no need for the scorecards, because somebody was going to get knocked out. You see, family, this fight was so good, there's only one way to describe it. It was on, on site. From the time the first bell rang, it was on. You see, these two men didn't like each other. They didn't like each other at all. So somebody's O had to go. It was an all-action fight until the third round where Tommy the Hitman Hearns became Tommy the Get Hitman Hearns. And eventually, Hagler would knock him out. Now, most boxing critics, because of the action of this fight and the talent of the fighters, build this as the greatest match of all time. And most of you who've seen that fight would probably agree. But this is where I and the critics disagree. Because somewhere in the annals of history, there was another fight that didn't take place in the ring. You see, it was more than a championship belt on the line. This fight took place in the wilderness of Israel over 2,000 years ago. You see, it pitted good versus evil. It pitted truth versus sin. It pitted faith versus doubt. It pitted righteousness versus unrighteousness. It pitted obedience versus disobedience. So let's meet the combatants. In the red corner, draped in red shorts, with black and yellow trim, you know him as the father of lies, the villain of the Bible, the prince of this world, introducing the devil. But standing in the blue corner, draped in white shorts, with the purple and gold trim, with the record of infinity and O, 
He hails from Bethlehem by way of heaven. He is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the Prince of Peace. Some of you know him as a good shepherd. He is living water, the Son of God, Jesus the Christ. Now we know the participants. So let's get ready to rumble, shall we? If I could just have you stand up on your feet. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Amen? The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. I'll be reading out of the King James Version. So those of you with other translations, bear with me. Amen? Amen. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4, verse 1 through 11. And it reads, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee. And in their hands they shall bear thee up lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And saith unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, Angels came and ministered unto him. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I want to title this this morning, family. Let's get ready to rumble. Amen. Amen. Let's get ready to rumble. Let me pray. Father in heaven, we just come to you, God. And as always, I pray that we can use your word to convict the sinner and encourage and uplift the saint. 
Father, if there's somebody out there who doesn't know you as their Savior, let today be the day that they no longer not know you. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Thank God. Amen. Amen. I want to give a shout out to my mother who's here. Amen. I love you, Mom. Amen. Amen. I done got into several fights with people ranking on my mama. Amen. Back in the day. You want to start a fight? Talk about somebody's mama. Amen. 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 Let me give you some background to this text. Chapter 3 ends with John the Baptist, the forerunner for Jesus Christ, baptizing Jesus in the Jordan River. Now, the name Jordan literally means descending. You see, family, at this, this place where Jesus was baptized, the, the heavens would open up and the Spirit of God would descend upon Jesus like a dove. And then a voice from heaven would say, this is my beloved son and who I am well pleased. Why is this significant? Because this is the first time that we've seen the Trinity in play since the beginning of the Bible in Genesis. Do you know we serve a triune God? God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is the first time since Genesis that we see all three in the book of the Bible together. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's get to point number one, counterpunch. Now, keep in mind, family, that in boxing, styles makes fights, right? Usually those styles consist of matchups between a boxer and a puncher or a counterpuncher versus a puncher. Amen? Looking at verse 4. Uh, chapter 4, verse 1, and the text reads, Then Jesus was led of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the double. Amen? The first thing that caught my eye in this text is what led Jesus. You see, the Spirit led him. Right after he was baptized, right after God had tore open up the sky, Jesus is being led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Oh, I just want to warn you this morning to let the Spirit lead you to pray every morning. Let the Spirit lead you to love your God with all your heart. Let the Spirit lead you in worship. Let the Spirit lead you to love your neighbor as yourself. Let the Spirit lead you to forgive that person that has wronged you. Let the Spirit of God lead you. People of God, don't be surprised in 2017, after you get your promotion, after you get that raise, after you get that new car, new home, don't be surprised that Satan will be there waiting to steal your joy by tempting you too in the wilderness. Oh yeah, oh, oh I know I'm right about that. Oh yeah, he'll be there. He will be there, the, the wilderness. The wilderness is it's a place where bad things can happen, especially if you're not led by the Spirit. You see, the wilderness is also recognized as the desert. And deserts have been known to be dry and barren places, where rocky terrain and where water and food can be hard to find. The wilderness, yeah, can be a place known to be left with skeletal remains from animals and even people that were once living. 
the wilderness. It, it could be a place where you lose your grip on reality or a place where you regain your foothold on spirituality. The wilderness, that's what we're talking about. But it can also be a place of solitude. I've been told there are three types of Christians. One who is about to enter the wilderness, one is currently in the wilderness, or one who just got out of the wilderness. So the question I have for you today is which one are you? And are you letting the spirit lead you through? Verse number two. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward in hunger. The first thing I see in this text is how long Jesus fasted, 40 days. So what is fasting? Fasting, family, is the act of giving up eating and drinking for an allotted time to focus in on the will of God through prayer and supplication, specifically during times of peril. As a matter of fact, when you add fasting to your prayer life, I guarantee it would enhance your ability to focus on the will of God and not the peril of your circumstances. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. So why don't you try it today? The other thing I see is, did you know that the number 40 is the number of tests in the Bible? You see that right there? How many days did it rain after Noah got into the boat? 40 days, according to Genesis 7 and 12. How, how, how many years was Moses exiled from Egypt? 40 years, according to Exodus 7 and 7. And how many years did the Israelites spend in the desert? 40 years, according to Deuteronomy 1 and 3. 40 is the number of tests in the Bible. The second thing I notice in this text it's Jesus' physical state. He was hungry out there in the desert. This reminds us that Jesus was fully man and fully God. So we can't use that excuse that Jesus doesn't know how I feel. Jesus didn't walk in my shoes. I want to stop you right now and tell you, yes, he did, and yes, he does. Walks in your shoes. So I got another question for you. What is it that you hunger for in 2017? Do you, do you hunger for money? Do you hunger for fame? Do you, do you hunger for revenge? Do you hunger for drama? Do you hunger for power? Or do you hunger to do the self, your own self-will? What is it that you hunger for? Whatever carnal theme that you hunger for, that's what the devil will use to tempt you with. So beware. Somebody needs to recognize in 2017 that it's time for you to hunger for the things of God. It's, it's, it's time for you to hunger for the will of God. It's, it's time for you to hunger for the kingdom agenda of God. It's, it's time for you to hunger for the righteousness of a holy God. It's, it's time. Oh, yeah, it's time. In order to have your hunger truly satisfied, put away that Snickers bar and turn to Jesus. 
You know what I come to find out? All police lineups need a good witness. And right now, so do I. Can I get a witness? Verse number three. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. The first thing that I see in this text is who is doing the tempting. It's the devil. You see, family, Christians have three enemies of, uh, we have three enemies. The world, our flesh, and the devil himself. Now, the word devil literally means slanderer. So if the devil is bold enough to try to tempt Jesus, what makes you think that he ain't bold enough to try to tempt you? As a matter of fact, Kevin Tate commenting on the text states, it's not a matter if the tempter or temptation is going to come. It's a matter of when it's going to come. For it is written in 1 Corinthians 10 and 13, there hath no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. Tell your neighbor, don't give in. The second thing I notice in this text is that the first punch is thrown by the devil. You see, he came to Jesus while he was in a hungered state and tempted him using his lethal combination of doubt and the method of the lust of the flesh. Did y'all see that right there? What we see at play, family, in this whole text is what happened in the garden. This is a replay of what happened in the garden, amen? Remember when the devil told Eve she wouldn't surely die? Now you have that same devil saying, if you be the son of God, turn these stones into bread. In other words, he's saying, appeal to the lust of your flesh. I know you're hungry, but go ahead and appeal to your temporal hunger. Appeal to your physical craving if you are the son of God. And in 2017, he's going to tell you the same thing, to appeal to your temporal hunger, appeal to your carnal desires, to try to get you to step out the will of a holy God. Verse number four. But he answered and said, it is written, man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of a holy God. You see, family, what we see right here in this text is Jesus being quick on his feet. He slips the devil's jab and counter punches. By using Deuteronomy 8 and 3. Now the term counterpunch means to have a countering blow, attack, or response. In other words, I want to let some Christians know today that you don't have to be the devil's punching bag. You see, punching bags don't hit back, but knowledgeable Christians do. 
I know you have been persecuted. I, I, I know that you have been disrespected, lied on, mistreated. And yeah, I'm familiar with your situation, with you being ridiculed for serving a holy God. But it's time that you had a spiritual response to a spiritual problem. For it is written in Ephesians 6 and 12, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. You see, fellow saints, when you are in a spiritual fight, you have to use spiritual weapons. The word of God is that weapon. You see, Jesus didn't even take time to ponder what the devil said. No, he didn't listen to what that fool had to say. The son of God quickly counterpunches by using his weapon, the word of God. The Messiah says it is written, man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of a holy God. In other words, God, 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 the holy God is the source of our salvation and object of our faith and truly our sustainer of both our physical and spiritual needs. That's who he is. He's still God on the throne. You see, saints, as a godly man, I'm not chasing or relying on the things of the physical. Because I'm too busy chasing and relying on the things of the spiritual. Your counterpunch is made up of the graphe, which is Greek for the written word of God. And the rhema, which is Greek for the spoken word of God. Along with the spirit of God. So saints, just know when you're facing Satan, you have to be able to counterpunch. Oh, you got to be able. Yeah. Point number two. Protect yourself at all times. Now, keep in mind in, in boxing, the last instruction given before the referee uh, makes the fighters touch hands is protect yourself at all times. Amen. Amen. Verse number five. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple. Looking at this text, family, I, I noticed that the devil has changed his tactics. Same devil, different tactic. Now the devil has taken Jesus up into the holy city, also known as Jerusalem. This time he... He, he tries to get Jesus to put God the Father to the test by using deceit. Oh, 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 some of us have fell same victim to that word deceit. So let me tell you what it is. Deceit is someone lying or scheming to see if they can keep you away from the truth. That's what it is. And that's what Satan does. Notice how subtle the devil is. He is taking them to the holy city, right? You see that in the text? 
right? Now, most people would think that is good. I'm taking you to the holy city. But it's what he does next and says next that catches my attention. It says, and set him on a pinnacle of the temple. The word pinnacle means the highest point of development or achievement. I don't have any gum, but chew on this. You might want to be careful of who's setting you in place so you can reach your pinnacle. You might want to be careful who's setting you in place so you can reach your pinnacle. Who, who, who set you in your current job? Uh, who set you in your current relationship? Was it God or was it the devil? Who are you working for? Who planted you? Was it by amazing grace or deceit, lust, and sin? Folks used to know you as the life of the party, but because you are working for the devil, now you become the death of the party. Causing havoc and wrecking lives all to get to your so-called pinnacle. Deceit Deceit will have you deceiving your father, stealing from your brother, losing your mother, and marrying two sisters. Just as Jacob. Because that's what he did. Not only did the devil set you there, now you are setting your sinful ways all because of deceit. All because of deceit. Deceit did a have you on shows like Snapped? Have you on shows like For My Man? Have you on shows like Scorn? Deceit, all because of deceit. Have you in the back of a police car talking about, I'm sorry, it's too late after you've been deceived. I know I'm not in court, but can I get a witness? Verse number six. And saith unto him, if thou be the son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge concerning thee. In their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Now, I notice in this text, family, the devil tries to say, again, if you are the son of God, Cast yourself down. In other words, test God the Father by casting yourself down. Look here, Satan. All you have to do is stop by my baptism, and you would have seen God call out from the sky who I was. I am the Son of God. I don't need to prove nothing to you. All you have to do is listen to my daddy. He ain't never called nobody else his son, not from heaven. No, no, no. As a matter of fact, not only is this son of God, he's a bridge over troubled water. He's manna from heaven, a shoulder to cry on, strength when I am weak, hope for the hopeless, and sight to the blind. That's who God is. I know who he be. Through the good 
Jesus be? Because I got a relationship with him, and when I'm going through it, I turn to him and I say, Father, I need your help. I need you right now. And he shows up, picked me up from the ground, turned me around, and planted my feet on some solid ground. I know who he be. Do you know who he be? Through the good in the bad. I know who he be. Then we see the devil misquoting scripture from Psalms 91 verses 11 through 12. You catch that? The devil has taken our text out of context, trying to make it say something it doesn't say. It, it, it actually reads as follows. Let me read it to you. It says, for he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in, thy hand, in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Amen? He tried to change it. But somebody in 2017 needs to know half truth is still 100% a lie. Still a lie. And lying is a sin. As a matter of fact, on my recommendation, like my pastor would say, don't make it up. Right? Don't just take a person's word for it. You're better off reading it for yourself. Want to know why? Because they could be deceiving you. You see, deceit, deceit is, is always with you while you're taking the action, but always gone after you find out the truth and when you face the consequence. It's always with you while you're taking the action, but always gone after you find out the truth and when you face the consequence. Jack Nicholson said, I can't handle the truth, but I come to find out since I've been with Jesus, I can't handle anything else but the truth. Deceit will restrain you. The truth will set you free. There's some free questions in here. Just wave your hands if you've been set free by the truth. Hallelujah. Verse number seven. Jesus said unto him, it is written, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. You see, Jesus didn't get hit with deceit because he knew to protect himself at all times with the word of God. You see, when you're in a fight with the devil, just know that he throws punches from all angles. You see, Satan is a habitual below-the-belt fighter. He's going to hit you where it hurt. Christ quotes Deuteronomy 6 and 16, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. That word tempt is the Hebrew word Nassau, Nassau, which means to test, right? This speaks of the book of Exodus chapter 17, verses 1 through 7, when Moses, the Old Testament lawgiver, was leading the people of Israel, and they came to a location, original name Rephidim, and they later changed the name to Massa, 
because it means temptation. And what happened there is they didn't have no water. So they started complaining. And they actually had the audacity to say, is God with us or not? Now, why is that a sin? Because if you look back, he just brought you out of Egypt. Oh, can I make a point here? Some of y'all need to look back and recognize where he's brought you out of. I mean, it's time to stop complaining about what you don't have and put a smile on your face, pep in your step, and start thanking God for what you do have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm thankful for my family. I'm, I'm thankful for my health. I'm thankful for my job. I'm thankful for peace that passes all understanding. I'm thankful for his grace and his mercy. I'm thankful that yet while I was a sinner, Christ died for me. And you should be too. I'm, I'm thankful. This was a sin because they showed a lack of faith. In a holy God. You don't demand God to show you what his will is for you. You just stay in prayer and wait on the Lord. I stop by to remind you that as Christians, sometimes we have to look back on the past to remember how good our future is going to be. Just know, saints of God, the sinful world. In your sinful flesh. And the devil will test your loyalty to Jesus. He will try to contaminate your faith in God. And sabotage your obedience to a holy God. I, I, I know of some saints in here who may have failed your, your recent test. By getting knocked down with some kind of a sin. But the word of God. It's truth when it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So beware of deceit and the test of your faith by remembering to protect yourself at all times. My text ain't went nowhere because I still got a hold on it. Point number three, the victory. Verse number eight. Again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. The thing, New Beginnings, that catches my eye in verse eight is the exceeding high mountain. Y'all see that right there? Satan has moved from the temple to a mountain. Any mountain involving the devil, I would be cautious climbing. Mountains in the Bible sometimes depict the government or the rule of a holy God. Got two examples for you. The Ten Commandments, given at what? Mount Sinai. Then we had the Sermon on the Mount, right? The Sermon on the Mount, given at a mountain. So I have a question for you today. Whose rule are you under? Is it God 
or the devil? Whose rule are you under? Then it says to show him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. You see, now this devil is trying to use the lust of the eyes. You see, Satan's job is to display sin as going up, but I want to remind you that sin is always falling down. You see, you, you think to yourself, I see it, and I got to have it, only to get it and then try to get rid of it. Everything Satan shows you will appeal to what you like. Everything that he shows you, he's got your playbook. He knows everything that you like. And he's constantly tempting you, constantly in your ear or in your face, telling you, you deserve it, you need it, and you got to have it. That's what he does. You see, you have the kingdom of this world versus the kingdom of God. Choose, uh, choose wisely, family, because in this world is sorrow. In this world is evil. In this world is pain. In this world is persecution. And in this world is suffering. In this world is decay and depravity. In this world is wickedness. So choose wisely. You see, the government of the devil is void of God. In other words, God ain't invited to his government. Apart from God, there is no glory. There is no glory apart from God. There is no glory. Let me say that. There is no glory apart from a holy God. Amen? Amen. Verse number nine. And saith unto him, all these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. The first thing I see in verse 9 is Satan making a promise he will never keep. Oh, yeah, he, he never keeps his promises. He can't give you nothing but heartache and consequences. The devil don't own nothing. The Bible says the earth is the who's? The Lord's and the fullness thereof. The world and they that dwell therein. So how are he going to promise you something? He don't even own nothing. You do all the work to get those things. Maybe it's that nice car that's going to have you hedging on your tithes and offering. Maybe it's that good paying job that would have you working on Sundays. Or maybe it's that, Nick, that nice big house that you can barely afford to put food on the table. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You see, things will have you doing stuff that you don't want to do and going places that you don't want to go. Satan wants you to fall down and worship him. It's only one problem. That's what got that chump kicked out of heaven in the first place. Yeah. 
You see, Satan wanted to be worship instead of leading worship. That's what he was created to do, according to Ezekiel 28, Isaiah 14. Don't you get caught up in being worship. Verse number 10. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. I notice in this reply, Jesus tells him to keep it moving. And finally calls him by one of his names. Y'all see that? It's the first time he calls him Satan. It means adversary. And then Jesus quotes from Deuteronomy 6 and 13, which says, Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God and serve him and shall swear by his name. Somebody might be here right now and you be dealing with a co-worker, an ex-lover, a relative, a friend, a neighbor who behaves like Satan. And I want to inform you that after you tell them to keep it moving, be a good Christian and drop the word of God on them before they leave your presence. In other words, instead of putting heavy hands on them, go ahead and put holy hands on them. It's right there in the text. Before Satan left, God gave him the word of God. You see, saints, worship and service go hand in hand. The thing you worship is the thing you're going to serve. If you worship self, you will serve self. If you worship money, you will serve money. But oh, if you worship God, you will serve God because he is worthy to be praised. Who you worshiping today? Put down your money. Put down your own self-will and worship God today. Can I get a witness? Verse 11. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. The first thing I see is that while the truth sets you and I free, the truth also makes the devil flee. Oh, it'll make him run. James 4 and 7 states, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. In 2017, people of God, it's time you resist temptation. It's time that you resist strife. It's time that you resist bickering with fellow Christians. It's time that you resist doubting God's love. It's, it's time that you resist pride. It's, it's time that you resist evil, period. It's time. It's time. You see, in this resistance, this is how you get victory over the devil. You resist the devil. You see, in a boxing match, in between each round, you get to go to your corner. Uh -huh. 
so they can refresh you to fight on. Guess who was in your corner to minister to you to fight on. Oh, yeah. As the text says, the angels came to minister to him. Those same angels are there to minister to you, too. So don't give up on God. I can, I can hear the angels whispering in your ears. If God be for us, who can be against us? I can, I can hear the angels saying, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can, I can hear the angels singing, we've come this far by faith, leaning on the Lord, trusting in his holy word. And it never failed me yet. I can, I can hear the angels say, the Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. I can, I can hear the angels saying that God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever shall believe in him shall never perish but have everlasting life. Can you hear the angels too? Can you, can you hear the angels that they with you? Even through the fight, they're in your corner ready to minister to you. You see, when you, when you look back on it all, saints, it was God who was in your corner. And therefore, you got the victory because you resisted the devil and worshiped and served the holy God. But I stopped by to tell you that there is no victory in serving or worshiping Satan in sin. Now that Jesus has showed up and showed us how to attain victory against the devil as Christians, let's get ready to Rumble! Oh yeah. Let's get ready to rumble. Are you ready to rumble? My seat is calling me. But before I go to my seat, we talked about counterpunching with the Spirit of God. In the word of God, we discussed protecting yourself at all times from deceit and testing God when fighting with the devil. And finally, having victory by resisting the devil. The application is this. As Christians, we have an enemy who we must fight every day and minute. Jesus has given us the blueprint and the tools on how to fight Satan. In other words, the more God family you put in you through prayer, Bible study, hearing the word of God, knowing the word of God, obeying the word of God, and walking in the spirit of God, the greatest chances for victory through resistance of the devil's temptation and your rumbles with him. If you're not saved, if you're not saved, Start by repenting and confessing your sins and asking Jesus Christ to come into your life and save you. Amen. It's only then can you become equipped to rumble with Satan. Amen. There is no other way. But that wouldn't be the last time 
that Satan and Jesus would rumble. Because it was a Friday on the hill called Calvary where Jesus Christ walking in righteousness and truth would take nails in his hand. Nails in his feet. And he would yell out, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And then he died on that Friday. Saturday would go by and nothing happened. Why? Because he remembered the Sabbath and he kept it holy. But early, early, early Sunday morning, Jesus would rise with all power in his hand. He died so you can live. He died so you can live. He died so you can live. God bless you. God be with you. God keep you.